As the time to retire gets nearer or the family has grown and gone, do you sometimes wonder what the next in life is for you? For the men, it's often join a club or get into work in the shed on projects that have been sitting for ages and time has been the constraint. For women, however, the reassessment of their lives can be quite different. To give us some guidelines, I have with me in the studio Chris Hardwick, and Chris is the coordinator of Relationships Education, and Akivra Burris. And Akivra is the regional manager for The Hunter from Relationships Australia. I'm Iris Nichols, and welcome to Wellbeing. Ladies, thank you for coming in, and welcome to the program. Akivra, will you tell me about Relationships Australia? Relationships Australia, New South Wales, is part of a national network of Relationships Australia agencies. Um, It's been around for close to 60 years, and formerly it was known as Marriage Guidance, the Marriage Guidance Council of New South Wales. Its primary objective is to assist um, individuals and families and couples in working to um, develop more effective relationships, to create greater family stability and so on and so forth. We do that uh, via a number of different programs, including counselling and relationship education. We have a mediation and primary dispute resolution service and we also have a training arm. But our prime interest is in relationships and in particular family relationships, although we do also work with other relationships such as workplace relations and so on. So how did it all start way back in 1948 or whatever? Um, That's a good question. Um, I think it was probably it was just after the war. I think originally it was um, set up by interested persons, if you like, and staffed for many years by volunteers. Typically, you know, the, the cliche was the 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 North Shore ladies who had time on their hands and were interested in doing marriage counselling. So that's where it got off the ground. It's always been a non-government, not-for-profit organisation and run by a a board um, of um, interested people. I don't know the the detail of the the launch of Relationships Australia so many years ago, but I know it began with um, a group of people who are interested in helping people with relationships. I think um, particularly after the war there was would have been a time of soldiers returning and relationship conflicts and stresses and so on and so forth. It was a time of rebuilding the country as well so I'm sure in that context it served a purpose to families. Where so did it all start? Sydney I think. Then it eventually went out to the regions from there? It went, um, it's been in Newcastle, not, not very long, less than 30 years, but it's well established in, um, nationally, particularly in the capital cities. It's easy enough to contact the closest um, branch to you via the, our website or telephone and so on and so forth. We'll go into uh, contact only, numbers as yeah, the program goes through. It's the only through. non-affiliated relationship federally funded relationship counselling organisation. As, as far as I'm aware, um, it's not affiliated to, for instance, um, church groups and that kind of thing. It's, it's an independent organisation, um, which is one of its strengths, I think, as well. What sort of response do you get from the public? Do you, do you get a good response from it? Yeah, I, I think people know the organisation. Have It has a good name. Um, we have a reasonably... An effective media profile, I think. 
by I guess by word of mouth and reputation, people mm. will often say we've chosen you because mm. of who you are, and and you know they do us the honour of um, allowing us to assist them with their relationship. I think that's how it goes, isn't it? It's just by weight of years of experience and reputation and so on. Mm. Your position is regional manager for the Hunter. Yes. How long have you been in that position? Uh, only 18 months, less than 18 months. Prior to that, I've worked for the organisation since 91, um, coming and going, you know, <laughs> with having children and so on. But, yeah, I have worked for the organisation for 15 years in Sydney um, at the level of clinical coordinator, which is at the level of supervisor. So I've supervised counsellors mm. and I've um, undertaken training. I've trained people to become couple and family therapists. And just very recently I moved to Newcastle and took, the, took up the position of regional manager and it's been a very interesting and exciting time. Chris, at this stage, um, welcome to the program. Thank you, Iris. How long have you been involved with it? Um, I'm relatively new compared to Akira. I've been with Relationships Australia for just going on two years now. Um, so I've been working in the Relationship Education Program for that period of time. Mm. And have you always been here in Newcastle? I have. I'm a Newcastle girl. I grew up in Newcastle, um, married a Newcastle boy, <laughs> moved away for a while. But um, as we started to have a family, we thought that it would be a good idea to move back to Newcastle. This is our base and this is where our family is. So it was a natural return? It was, yes. Now, when you have these groups, you encourage people to come as a group rather than individuals? What we find, Iris, is that we have many, many inquiries, you know, via yeah. the phone or some people actually just come into the office and they have heard about us. Um, it might be that a friend of theirs or a family member has um, sought some assistance from us before. And they're usually curious about what we're doing. So some people don't know much about us and phone up and say, you know, what have you got on offer? Other people have specifically heard about a group or they may have come in through counselling and are seeing someone on a one-on-one -on -one basis mm. and the counsellor might have recommended a group that might be specifically around their needs. And when you have a group meeting, how many people do you have in a group? We normally have a group of around about 8 to 12, mm -hmm. and we do that quite consciously because it's really important in a group that people feel comfortable, relaxed and safe. So a, a kind of a, um, a trusting atmosphere is, is built up. Um, sometimes we do parenting seminars and things mm. like that where we may have larger numbers. But for most of our ongoing six to eight week groups, it's round about the eight to 12. If somebody joined your group and then found they weren't comfortable with the others or a particular person within that group, can you sort of shift them around and, and move them to another group or a later group? Sometimes, Iris, that does happen. Um, someone may be in a group and something is raised in the group that's uncomfortable um, or a little bit um, stressful. Mm -hmm. Or there might be another participant in the group that, um, you know, that there are differences there. Sometimes we're able to actually manage that openly in, in the group and actually mm -hmm. process what's happening for the group and what's happening for the individuals. But we do, as group leaders, encourage people to speak to us after the group if they've got any concerns and um, you know in most cases that can be resolved if mm. there's a problem occasionally it might be that it's just really not the right time or it's not really the right group and we can actually refocus 
their energy into another group or we may recommend that they see someone one-on-one. If you get somebody who comes in for an eight-week program, is it usually going mm. for eight weeks? Most of our groups go for around the eight weeks. Can they re-enroll or do they re-enroll and come back and have another session? Occasionally that does happen, um, but we do have groups that progress. Uh, and An example of that would be our women's self-esteem and assertiveness group. So a lot of women typically come in and, and do that. It's, it's very much about um, building skills and awareness. So a woman might come in and do that group, for example, and then she may think, well, this is really great. I've learned a lot about myself and about my relationships, and I want, and I want to keep that going. So she may then, in the next school term, come in and do a women in relationships group, and that goes a little bit deeper into some of the issues. So some groups, there are a kind of a progression through a number of areas. So yeah. your, your groups sort of start off at the basic thing, and, and then they can graduate mm. there's plenty of opportunity yeah. there's plenty of opportunity mm. and for some people um, a group is a great way to enter the system because groups are typically fairly non-threatening mm. um, and participants can mm. sit back and listen to what's going on in the group or they can be really actively participating so we find that people that come into the service into groups really relax and start to understand that seeking assistance is something that's really helpful Chris Hardwick and Akivra Boris are my guests today and we're talking about an organisation called Relationships Australia and in particular, What Now? Girls, we've talked about how it started, but what is it all about? I mean, why do people come to you? I think that um, over, I've been in the business for a long time and I think over the years it's become a more normal part of the choices people might make when they're finding themselves having difficulties in their relationships. There, there was a time when people thought it signified there was something wrong with them to go for counselling or even perhaps for groups and so on. Um, that's no longer the case. And in particular, I've seen a huge difference in men approaching us. Half mm. our clients are men. We don't, um, and very often these days, we also have men approaching us um, for counselling when they're in couple relationships, they initiate the, the, the counselling and so on. You know, it has become more a part of our the normal way we conduct our affairs, really. There's a lot of, you know, there are a lot of self-help shows on television, aren't there? You know, Dr Phil and all that kind of thing. It's kind of destigmatised the whole idea of seeking help. I, I was just thinking of one point. Counselling and groups provide a different function and, and they intervene at a different level. Chris mentioned that some people feel comfortable entering a group where they might not necessarily feel quite so comfortable um, undertaking um, counselling. And very often people will, you know, undertake both really, get benefit from both. Groups are very important because um, we're social animals, you know, our, the way we behave is in interaction with other people. Groups provide a social milieu where we can say who we are, air our ideas, obtain ideas and support from other people. And that's um, enormously nourishing to us as people, you see. So uh, counselling to an extent has that effect as well because you establish a, a, a working relationship with the counsellor and that meets, meets that need as well. But groups can affect change that 
counselling finds harder to affect and, and also the converse is true, that counselling can take you to depths that a group can't take you to. Mm. So they both serve a complementary but different function and um, there's mutual referral between the two. So um, councils will refer to groups when they feel people need that kind of social context um, to connect with others around the problem and similarly the relationship education program will refer people to the counselling program when they feel they need people need more intense one-to-one -one exploration of their issues so they they complement each other the two services mm. do you find that when people get into a group situation they often come often come across somebody who's having very similar ideas and then they pick up responses from these people so that yes, right. you know they'll learn something from mm. their fellow group members that's right. There's yeah. definitely a kind of a collective wisdom that happens in a group, and that's mm -hmm. one of the exciting processes of a group. Um, and I think particularly for the group that, that we're going to be um, talking about shortly, Iris, the What Now group, is that people do come in with their own life experiences. Um, they come in with different, different values, things that they've learned. And there is a wonderful thing that happens in groups around sharing that. Mm. And people can feel quite inspired, quite enlightened, and, and sometimes differences as well. Seeing how people have handled things in a different way can mm. be quite enlightening as well. Mm. Um, I think one of the other great things about groups is it can actually normalise a lot of the feelings that we do have. Mm. So where participants come in with a different story to the person next to them, um, what we find is that there's commonly underlying themes, you know, that, that come out in mm. the group. You know, the group finds that everyone's feeling a little bit anxious. Everyone finds that we're all a little bit hopeful. So, you know, that's, that's part of the magic that can happen in groups. Now, the, the one you mentioned just now is what now? Mm. Um, this is solely for women? It is. Um, this is a group for women who are reassessing their lives, you know, and this is commonly where people come into the service, where they're at a crossroads, they're at a changing point in their lives. So this group is for women who have perhaps been involved in raising children or are looking at retirement and are literally saying, what now? Mm. Where is my life headed now? Do you have a, a sort of an age group that this starts to happen? We were loath to actually put an age group, you know, on the flyer, mm. and that's because it really is more around life stage than age. Mm. Um, typically for this group, though, we would have the kind of probably the 50-somethings, you know, mm. mainly, but it is more around life stage, and for some women that may be happening at an earlier age, for some women that will be a little older. So it's more around the crossroad. Yeah. So the topics for this current session that you've got coming up, how many topics do you have for, for a group? Do you have a different one every week? We do, Iris. This group runs over eight weeks, so we would typically have eight different um, topic areas. What we normally do is set up a kind of a framework of, of topics so that when we're promoting the group, um, you know, women can actually look at the flyer and say, oh, that's interesting, that, I think that fits for me right now. Mm. But we're really open to being flexible as well. So the kinds of topics that we've identified that, that women are asking about in this stage of life, it really starts with identity. 
kind of looking at, you know, who am I? You know, I've mm. been busy doing the doings. I've been raising children. I've been um, keeping down a job and managing relationships and family and all of those things. And so that's where we start, Iris, with mm. the question, who am I? You know, and it's about looking at where am I now? Where have I been and where do I want to go? So sitting underneath that, the kinds of topics that typically come up are things like social networking, um, parenting issues, fitness, stress management, you know, looking at roles and responsibilities, expectations, um, conflict resolution, communication. So you can see that there, it, it's actually broken down into many, many mm. areas. What the group leaders would typically do is take that group, um, introduce the topics, and then as the weeks start to flow by, get a bit of a sense of where the group's at and where the ladies would like to head themselves. So the group becomes a little bit self-determining in a way, and we can start to spend more time on some of those areas if that's where the group wants to go mm. And do you have trained people like psychologists and medical personnel who are involved within this group as, as leaders? All of our group work leaders are trained professionals um, and they may have a social work background, um, a psychology yep. background, counselling background, counseling background yeah. somewhere you know, within the behavioural sciences. We are selective about our staff. Um, they're highly trained. Yes. And I think it's also really important for participants, you know, perhaps someone who's listening to this, mm. that um, the group workers are quite warm people and they're interested mm. and that's really important. Mm. Yeah. If, if you find that you've got someone who is prepared to sit and listen and to share, mm. um, you know that in everyday life that you tend to open up more or feel more comfortable with them. So that's, that's the same right. sort of situation that you have there. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. These are people who are trained in their basic discipline, but subsequent to that, they would have had some training in working with groups. It's a particular speciality within um, our field. Yeah, so they would have had special group work training. There's particular skills in running a group. Mm. Not everyone is that skilled in running a group. They're all that interested and so on. So they are very well qualified, as Chris says. Yep. Do you ever find that you get somebody comes into a group like this and they think, oh, yes, well, that's, that's nicely structured and I can go from here and, and do whatever, you know, has been suggested through the group. And they sit back and think, I don't want to do any of that. I've been running around. All I want to do is go and sit and smell the roses. D does that happen? Mm, absolutely. And I think particularly for this group, that may be the answer, Iris. And, and that's really what it's about. It's about women coming into the group you know, as I said, looking back and looking forward and looking at where they want to go. So goal setting is a really important part of a group like this. Mm. And some of the women in the group may end up deciding that, well, my goal is to be less busy. My goal mm. is to be more relaxed. My goal is to just feel more centred within myself. And that's a really legitimate goal. And often that's very hard to do anyway, is to be able yes. to stop. Yes. If you've been running around for, for whatever reason. What we find as well, Iris, is that women typically define themselves throughout their lives around their roles and responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And that's really important to us, you know, as, as um, partners and, and mothers and so on. Those roles are really important. But I think to look deeper into the self and to say, well, those things are important. What are the other aspects about me that are also important? And what do I want to do with them? 
by the way, I think that's not just a problem with women, is it? It's also a problem with men very yes. much mm. defining themselves yes. by their job and job and roles and responsibilities as well. And when they retire, they often mm. <laughs> hit a crisis point in terms of who they are and so on. So it's a normal human developmental stage, mm. I think. We're talking about the organisation Relationships Australia and in particular What Now, which is helping women to move on to the next stages of their lives after retirement or the family has grown up and left home. Akivra, we've talked about your position within the organisation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How many branches besides Newcastle are there in, in New South Wales? Not many, probably around 10. We have four regions. Um, we have three metropolitan regions, a region here in the Hunter and a region in the Illawarra, which goes as far as Campbelltown. Each, each region would have about three um, outlets for the counselling program, two or three. So in total, it must be around 10 or 12. So unfortunately, at this stage, for our counselling program, we are... Um, Sydney Metropolitan, Newcastle and Wollongong centred but we've always tried to offer services to rural communities and so on. Mm. Recently we were successful in um, gaining some government money to run early intervention programs in the Maitland, Singleton, Hunter Valley area and we'll, we'll start doing that in force probably by about late July, August this year. What the government said is that um, they've said that this area needs some extra counselling, some extra relationship education, some domestic violence programs, some programs for men. And luckily we were successful in getting some money to do that. So we're very excited about moving to a slightly more rural um, setting. You know, So um, we'll be offering some of this some of the programs that Chris offers will be offering in that uh, catchment area as well as our regular counselling program. Are you only established in New South Wales or do you go to other, other states as well? We, there is a Relationships Australia organisation within each state, so Queensland, Victoria, South Australia and so on and so forth. They all have their own slightly different personalities and cultures, culture, um, but they essentially do the same work, which is relationship work, counselling, um, group work and um, mediation and so on. There are some individuals and differences, but every, all people in whatever state, certainly in capital cities, the access to the service is very easy and fairly straightforward. So, yeah, we, um, we're, a national, we're part of a national organisation, in mm. fact, yes. Mm-hmm. So if someone was listening to this program and not within the metropolitan areas yes, um, and they wanted to, to join or become involved in such a group, how would they go about it? We offer... A few things for people living in rural and remote areas. One is um, we offer online counselling service, which can be accessed via our website. And again, we do um, hear from people, obviously, Australia-wide with with that. We're able to offer counselling online, which again fits in with um, the way people are living their lives these days. Everything seems to be done on the... um, on the computer. We also offer telephone counselling. We've always offered that. We've offered that mm-hmm. for a long time. Again, that's an advantage to people living um, in uh, rural and remote areas. Our group programs, I mean, periodically we have had some extra money to offer groups in the country. Just recently we finished some programs um, that 
we got some drought funding and we were able to offer some relationship education programs out in fairly remote areas. Um, but unless we get money for that, it's hard to, it's hard to offer yeah. it um, off our own bat. So, If someone listening decided that because they lived in a remote area or yep. not in a capital city, yep. this is something that I would like to see set up within our community, however big, would that be possible? And if so, how would they go about it? Gosh, that's a hard question. So people would – I mean, there, there are other organisations that do offer our type of work relationship services in um, regional centres where mm. we not um, – I think in Victoria and in Queensland, for example, our services are quite regionalised and they do offer uh, services from some of the big towns um, outside of the capital cities. I think that's that's a good question. I mean, I think they'd have to – They'd have to find someone to run it. You know, they'd have to um, ask the government for funding to run this kind of organisation in their centre. I guess they would try and um, engage the services of um, relationship services already established in closest to them and so on. For instance, I think Dubbo um, has services by Interrelate run services in Dubbo. I'm not sure. I guess they would contact the major provider in their region and see whether some outreach can happen and so on and so forth. Or alternately, they can think about how to provide, assist people to travel to get the services they need and so on um, in the nearest regional centres. Uh, it's a hard one. It's We're a very big country and it's hard yeah. to... It's part of the government's um, problem is... Uh, in all areas, not just in our sector, but offering community services to such a huge geographical um, map and prioritising the delivery of those services and so on. I think it's a, it's a huge, um, huge problem. <laughs> so. Now, you mentioned earlier on about people being able to get onto the web. And, yes, that's right. And yep. working through that. Do you have an address for the website? Yes, our web address is www.relationships.com. Dot com dot au. That's our national website, and there one can find all sorts of information about the organisation, its history and mission and values and so on and so forth. But but also that's the place where one can get information on how to access online counselling. And for local people, Chris, how can they get in touch with you? We, it's interesting, Iris, that you asked that question because what we're finding is that that is changing and particularly with the internet. Most of our inquiries do come via the phone. Our local phone number is 49 401 500. So that's typically how most people access the service. Some people actually come in to the office and see what we're doing there. But we're finding that more and more people are using the website and what we do in the group work program is we post all of our groups and, and dates and information there and, and there's a function within the website where people can email an inquiry through or just make a booking. And we're finding that more and more people are using that option. Some people are coming home late at night, getting onto the internet thinking, oh, you know, I'm really interested in this kind of group. I'll find out what there is. So that's actually increasing. Ladies, thank you for coming in and telling me so much about the organisation and how it, how it works in general, which is what we needed to know. Yes. So people can ring you and get some dates and sort it all out for if they want to come in this month. I'd love to hear from anyone who's interested.
Uh, and, the, and the sooner that people ring in, the sooner that they are actually on the, on the waiting list. One of the things I forgot to ask you was cost. What does it cost people? Typically for an eight-week group, the, the cost for the whole um, eight-week course is $120 or $80 concession. People need to just keep in mind, Iris, if there are extenuating circumstances, we actually have some flexibility around that. So we like to think that cost is never prohibitive. So if someone would really like to come in and, and do a group, they need to phone through and, and ask for me, and I can talk with them individually about coming up with an agreement. My guests today have been Akivra Boris. She is the regional manager, Hunter Area. And Chris Hardwick, and Chris is the coordinator of relationships and education. And ladies, thank you so much for coming in and talking to. Thank you, thank Iris. Thank you. On behalf of all of us here at Wellbeing, this is Iris Nichols saying thank you for listening, and we all wish you well.